we praise God for what's happening on the Grand Valley campus. Uh, what, what a joy. I just love that partnership that we have. Uh, so if you want to talk, Chap Andy, John, Amy are here. There's a booth out by the cafe. And also, because uh, we, we're, we're just constantly wanting to be supportive, but you notice you might be sitting on or near a special offering envelope. And if you want to utilize that, if the Lord uh, pokes at your heart and says, yeah, help out with that, you know, financially, you can help out and just find one of the uh, uh, offering tables and you can place that in or you can do it online. Well, welcome to those of you in the online experience. So glad you're in this worship moment together with us. We are in the series, Walking Through the Book of Acts. It's our turn. And where they go, yeah, like, oh, it's our, whatever it is. It's our turn for the Acts of the Apostles. It's, it's we're up. Let's go. Let's, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Uh, and I want to give, we're going to be in Acts chapter 19. That's where we're going to go. You can go there, put a thumb in it, or tag it on your phone. But I want to give some set-up scriptures before we dive into Acts 19. God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah, and he says, go down to the potter's house. And uh, you're going to see that he's working on a pot on the wheel. And then the word of the Lord comes as he's witnessing that. says, as, as the potter is remolding and refashioning the clay, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. Does anybody feel like you might be on the, on the potter's wheel? And for what it's worth, it's fine to respond individually, but collectively together, that was O house of Israel. It's all y'all. So there's a measure of when, when we're doing the, the following of the Lord God Almighty, of the risen Savior Jesus Christ, that we, we do it together in community. There's another scripture that is not the opposite, but it, 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 it is a companion piece. But it is a contrast. It's from Romans chapter 12. It says, do not let the world squeeze you into its own mold. Don't, don't, don't be squeezed into the mold of the world. Instead, let your mind be renewed, which is your spiritual act of worship. Um, and so it begs the question, where do you sense the pull of life? Do you sense the pull of life that, oh yeah, I'm on the potter's wheel? And that is not always a comfortable place to be. But, but you sense that, that, that God, God's molding, God's shaping, God is the great artisan, and, and you're being molded and shaped. Or do you sense that there is pressure and squeeze that the world puts on you that it is hard to move away from, and there's a molding that is going on in your life that you go, that's not it. And if you know, if you say a little bit of both, there is, there is that reality that we might be experiencing a little bit of both. But as we walk through the day, we want to be on the potter's wheel. Before we go into the story of God, uh, I'm going to do a, another story that borrows from the story of God for just a moment. There's all kinds of stories, like good ones, like, you know, because when you come to the story of Jesus Christ, there's serving, there's sacrifice, and there's friendship. There's all these great things. And so all other stories kind of, if they're good, they borrow into it. So, so think of stories that you've heard where somebody is an inanimated object, uh, but wants to be real, all right? And so maybe you went to the Velveteen Rabbit, or you go to Mr. Data on Star Trek. He's Star Trek, right? Not Star Wars, Star Trek. I got Star Trek. That's what I think it is. Okay. Um, 
Let's talk about Pinocchio. Let's talk about our, our, our boy Pinocchio for a moment. And so he's this puppet. And I think puppets are cool. I think puppets are awesome. But, but somebody else really speaks for the puppet. Somebody else kind of guides the puppet. And the puppet's kind of, in, in a, in, you know, you're getting molded by, by, by something else. But Pinocchio wants to be real. And what's, what's Pinocchio? What really snags Pinocchio up? He's, he's, he's a lying little cuss, isn't he? He just, he just can't. And, and everybody knows it. Like, just like, you know, you know, eventually for us, if we're lying little cusses, eventually like, you know, it just doesn't, it just kind of shows. His nose gets bigger and bigger when, when that happens. Uh, I asked ask my kindergarten teaching wife uh, some of the stories of Pinocchio. He winds up on this island, and it's actually called Pleasure Island. Uh, and it's not, it's not a very Disney kind of place, uh, so to speak, Pleasure Island. But, but basically, it's incredibly self-centered. It's a self-centered place. You just get what you want, and you wind up being entrapped on Pleasure Island is the goal of what takes place. Well, while he's there, he grows donkey's ears and a donkey's tail. He starts turning into a donkey. And really interesting, that also borrows from the story of God. Because in the book of Daniel, the nations that arise— they become like, like animals. But, but who is Jesus? He's like the son of man. Jesus is the human one. Jesus is the son of man. Or are you going to be animalistic in regards to the different cultures that are being created and produced? And the king Nebuchadnezzar, when he gets all full of himself and all prideful, what happens to him? He becomes like a beast. And so through scripture, there's this theme that when we get all about ourselves, we become beast-like. And that's what's going down with, with, with our boy Pinocchio there. And, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily equated with the Holy Spirit or not, but, but there's this little, this voice that, this fairy that comes and says, okay, if you're brave, if you tell the truth, if, if you're selfless, that's how you become real. And so he makes a getaway from that island to go rescue his, his father. And, and, and he gets, he's on the way to becoming real. Anyway, um, do you get a sense that in life that you're feeling kind of fake, kind of phony, and you want to be real. The fake phony stuff comes from the press of the world. The reality is being on the potter's wheel. Here's what it says in Ezekiel chapter 37, that the Spirit of God desires to make dry bones come alive. So, so that, that, that puppet's heart wants to be animated, wants to become alive, wants to be fully human. And there's a sense that that is what we want. Those dry bones. Do, do you have something, do you have a dryness in your spirit? Do, do you need to be refreshed? And do you need to come alive again? And, and for what it's worth, we've seen enough uh, murder mysteries to know that if it's dry bones, it's a cold case. Those are bones that have been dry a long time. You know, somebody's like, like that's way better. Some of us might have some deep places that need to come to life again. And that is what the Lord God Almighty desires to do in your midst. So let's go to the Word of God, Acts chapter 19. And here's the setup for it. The Apostle Paul is making a tour of significant cities. And this is in the land of Turkey, Asia Minor. He's going to head over to Greece. Um, and he typically goes to the synagogue first. He's, he's a Jewish man. He goes there. And he usually goes there for a handful of weeks. And it, and it goes well, like, yeah! And he's, and he's connecting the Scriptures— and he's got the scriptures in his head, by the way, too. He's not carrying around uh, the Bible on his phone. He, he knows what they are, but there'll be an open scroll that he'll read from. And he teaches and connects the Old Testament scriptures and points that Jesus is the Messiah. And like, all kinds of Jewish people are in. But eventually some folks aren't. But, but Paul's got this, 
this great plan B, which is really plan A, that he's a tent maker. And he goes into the marketplace, and as a tent maker, everybody needs that, whether if you're in the, if you're part of the, the military, if you're part of the marketplace, whatever it is, everybody needs tents. So he's got a way to make income, and he's got a way to make connections. And he begins to turn cities around with the message of Jesus Christ. And then this is what goes down. Acts 19.23. About that time there arose a great disturbance about the way. And I love the name the way. That's what the believers were first called, the way. There's a certain way they went about life. It was the way of Jesus. A silversmith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of Artemis brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. And he calls them together along with the workers and related trades and says, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. Now, I'm going to pause. Have you met Demetrius? You've met Demetrius. Demetrius is wigged out because people in his community are no longer buying in to Artemis. They're buying in to Jesus. Um, And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that God's, check the, okay, this is, check this line out here, that God's made by human hands are no gods at all. All right, we got five things that we're going to pause on as we walk through the Word of God that, that we can take notes on. And, uh, and you don't have to take notes, but I can tell if you're not. That's okay if you're not. You know, if you have this like, I'm going to remember this all week, Pastor Jim. I, I'm it's like, I'm just, I am just Mr. Trivia here. I got, I got it down. It's like, I don't know. Somebody quiz somebody later if, if they're not taking notes. But I'll, I'll admit that there's not a rhyme. There's not a rhythm to the notes, uh, the, to, the, to the points that we're making. There, there's some extensive words because there's intentionality behind them. And the first is this, that images of gods, little g's, made by human hands are ignored. And that is wigging Demetrius out. He doesn't like it when Artemis gets ghosted. The the people that are saying, yes, that Jesus is king, are ghosting Artemis. Uh, just like, I think you know what, you know what ghosting, can you raise your hand? Like, like just ghosting. You got, you got that down? Okay. If, if, if just in case not, um, somebody had to explain this to me a couple years ago. Uh, apparently, I, I was the one ghosting someone. I wasn't texting them back, you know. Like, ghosting me. What are you talking about? Um, but you're, you're not texting somebody back. You're not calling somebody back. You're not emailing somebody back. They're, they're knocking, but you ain't listening, you know. You're, 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 they're, they're like, you're like, oh, it's nothing. It's not, it just, and you know what that does to the person who gets ghosted? It's haunting to them. It's really disturbing in their spirit when they don't get a response and Demetrius is feeling that his business and that the god Artemis, who he thinks is really cool, is getting ghosted. Now, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not—I mean, Demetrius is a pill. Demetrius is going to be a pill right here. But, but it's, not, it's not Demetrius. We, we had to say, oh, Demetrius, we need to pray that he moves away from being formed by the world to going on to be informed by the maker of life. And that's our prayer for the Demetriuses of our life. Um, when he, you ever, are you ever around somebody 
or maybe this is you sometimes, and you got a thing, and your thing's the really big deal, but then your thing sort of ceases to be the thing at your school or your workplace or in your family, and it's really troubling in your spirit. And so as Artemis ceases to become the thing, it wigs out Demetrius. I'm going to read, I'm going to kind of paraphrase from N.T. Wright's book on the life of the Apostle Paul in regards to the view of idols of the Hebrew people. So Hebrew people, the Jewish people, there is one true God who's the creator God, and this is where we're at. And I believe it's a mistake that God can be contained and identified by anything in the world, with one exception— written into the very charter, written into the book of Genesis in the first pages, we find that there's one creature that is not designed to contain the creator God, but it is designed to reflect the image and the nature of the divine. Who might that be? I think you're there. It's humans. It's the person next to you. Can you point to the person next to you? It's like, like you're the, you're, you were made to be the image of God. And, and, and why is it that we are told way back when, in the foundations of our faith, way back when, don't make idols. Don't make images. Why? Because God's already made one. The person sitting next to you. The rejection of idolatry is not simply the rejection of other gods. So here's, here's, here's dynamic number two for us. The image of God, made by God, is owned. That we own it. So not only is ghosting Artemis, diminishing Artemis, or, or let me, let me, let's flip it around. Not only if, we do, if, if people do idol worship, do we diminish God, we diminish those who actually bear the image of God. Does that make sense? We're saying that, oh, we don't really reflect the divine nature. We need something else to do that on our behalf. It dishonors the ones who God has made and gives honor to something we've made. It, and, and what does the enemy want to do? Steal, kill, destroy. And one of the things the enemy wants to do is steal the very thought, the very essence that you bear the image of God and are intended to be witnesses to one another. Now, what we're not talking about is is the worship of self, you know? And we gotta be careful, I'll just go, gotta be careful because Disney will take us to that direction, you know? There's nobody like yourself. You know, it's, it's not, it's not that, you're not, you're not making an idol of yourself. You are a reflector of the image of God. And we are made to reflect the glory and the wisdom of our maker. So it winds up being an individual basis and there's a group of people we ghost the idols of the world. Um, kind of even uh, smash them, reject them. Hey, if, you know, for what it's worth, Artemis, Artemis is a pretty cool god when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to created things. Uh, I, gotta, I, I live in zip code 49401, Allendale Township. And uh, yeah, I think Artemis was, is pretty like, yeah, it's, like, it's the god of the hunt. And the god of vegetation. And basically, Artemis says, we like growing stuff, 
that are yummy to eat, and we like hunting stuff, and that's yummy to eat, you know? Bring on, bring on the vittles, friends, and we, we, know, like, we know where our meal comes from. We know our meal tickets, Artemis. Little fertility ritual on the side, but it's more of like a, a hunting thing and a growing crops thing. And those are all praise God for those things, but those are not worship things. Uh, let, me, let me give you a little uh, list of uh, what, what the going idols of the day were back in that day that, that the believers had to face. Uh, there was good old Bacchus, uh, wine entertainment, Aphrodite, the goddess of sex, uh, Mammon, the name, god of money. And Jesus would reference that. You cannot love both God and Mammon. Um, Mars, the god of war, Zeus, or whether you want to call it power or careerism. Uh, Ophelia, the god of ease. Just like, hey, just take it easy. You know, don't, don't work, don't do too much. Um, and then there's, uh, you know how the emperor was viewed as a son of God, like the son of God, contrasting Jesus to being the son of God. You know, there was emperor worship, but you could also worship the nation of Rome. And it was like, you know, Dia, Dia, Dia Roma is what it was called, but it's not diorama. It's not diarrhea. It's, it's uh, I had a hard time looking it up to, to get it down. I kept finding other, other things. Uh, but but di- diaroma. So instead of worshiping, we don't call them those things. We just kind of, you know, participate in them. And in participating in them and them becoming the thing, and all of a sudden there might be this like, Ritual, this like this ritual drunk that may happen over the weekend. And we don't say that we're worshiping Bacchus, but that's what's going down. Um, the the out-of-bounds digital sexual image or the sex party that takes place, we don't call that Aphrodite worship. That's what it is. Pursuing full-on careerism, power plays. You know, we don't, we don't reference Zeus, but that's, that's the worship of Zeus. Uh, war making, making life all about that, or money making, those, those, are, those are worship. Polytheism, pantheism, that is the worship of many gods. Here's for what it's worth. There are, there are all kinds of other gods. Little G's. That we could put our attention to. And some of them, some of the, some of the little K, little kings, little lords are good. And what we're going to do, someday we're going to do a study on, on all that stuff. I just say, you know, little, 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 little plant the seed. We're going we're gonna to pour into that at some point in time in, in a couple of months. But even if they're good things, if we make gods out of them, that is never the intended place of anything that is created. It is amazing how in modern life our lives mirror that of, of ancient Romans, especially in Western civilization. Um, verse 27. So there is danger, not only that our trade is going to lose. Demetrius is on, he's on point right now. He, he's moving it. Uh, there, her good name will be gone, but the temple of the good, great goddess Artemis will be discredited. Man, it's, it's what, what, what it feels like if people are in that city are not engaging in Artemis worship, they feel like the protection of the city is gone. I mean, they feel like things are going to crumble. And the goddess herself, to his worship throughout the province of Asia and the world, 
will be robbed of her divine majesty. So they wind up going into a, into a theater, an open-air theater, and for hours begin shouting, greatest Artemis of the Ephesians! And some of them, they don't even know why they're there. It's just like, they're just getting caught up in it. Sometimes that happens to us too. We don't even know why. Do you ever, we live in a world that goes, ah, this is great! Paul wanted to go in. He wasn't in the theater. There are a few other people that were in the theater that, that got caught up in that, and people were yelling at them. And Paul's out of town. He goes, I want to go in. I want to I go make a speech. He goes, hold on, Hondo. No, no, no. Don't go in there. He's, he's it on back. Paul, Paul's not even in the room when, when this is going on. Third takeaway with what happens in cultures when Christianity comes into play. Jesus' culture is actually subversive in any culture. The, the culture of the people of Jesus, because God, because God is doing this beautiful work in your life, somehow it is threatening to those who make the idols. So it winds up becoming incredibly subversive. So what happens into this greatest Artemis of the Ephesians, into this world, there, there already is placed a Jewish community in Ephesus. Uh, it's, it's there uh, because of the, I, we don't have to do this, but I just want to hear you say diaspora. Can you say diaspora? Like they just say diaspora. There's this, there's this dispersion that takes place that's been hundreds of years in the making that, that God is like, oh yeah, we're gonna, there's all kinds of exile experiences that have gone on in the nation of Israel. So there's Jewish people in all kinds of regions and cities. Paul goes to those. So there's already a fertile group of people who are ready to hear about a Jewish Messiah, but that Jewish Messiah isn't simply for the family of Abraham. It's for all families. Remember, Abraham's supposed to, family's supposed to bless all the nations, and this is what is going down right now. Um, and then this, let's do Acts 15 talk for just a moment. So in Acts 15, there's this discussion that takes place because Gentiles, just anybody who's a non-Jewish person, they are coming to know this Jewish Messiah, Jesus, as their Lord and King. And, and what is said is like, oh, they don't have to make the full-on cultural shift to be Jewish, but they do need to make the, the head and heart shift that Jesus is King. Does that make sense? And so what, what, what the folks said was, all right, they don't have to do the Jewish rituals of circumcision, kosher foods, or Sabbath keeping. All right, those are optional. They can, but they don't have to. But, but, but here's a couple things that they do need to do. They, they do need to keep the sexual ethic, which is uh, sexual relations or mar uh, male and female in a marriage relationship. That keep, that's, that, let's, let's not get lost in the, in, in, in the other cultural things. That's what we keep. And um, you're not going to go to the temples and worship. You're not going to go to idolatrous temples and worship. Well, so city after city begins to see people ghosting whatever city whatever God their city has. But it's interesting, they might not go to the temple of Zeus to worship, but they're walking out with uh, uh, the meat that was sacrificed to Zeus on sale. <laughs> and they're gonna go take that back to, to their family or even their, their church gathering. You know, all the, all the Dutch folks find a good sale on, on meat and they're gonna go, uh, the Dutch Jews, you know, um, are doing that. Well, so, so they're kind of, what, what, what happens is that they, they, they go, they go, have a couple of drinks at Trail Point, but they're not getting drunk. What, what happens is that they, uh, 
they wind up, um, when they're entrusted with roles of authority, they actually shepherd that community. They don't fleece the flock. Uh, they wind up, oh, they, they love the nation. They're, they're, they're patriots, but they're not caught up in, in, in nationalism. They don't, they don't do these weird things. They, you know what? They, they wind up buying some basketball gear, but they don't wind up spending everything they've got on every last little wardrobe item. They, they wind up, you know, they have money, but, but money doesn't have them. It's, it's, it's this thing where they're in the world, but not of the world. They're in the world, but they're not of the, the world. And it just, it's so stinking confusing to the people that want us to bow down to idols, where we're just thankful for the things that God has entrusted, but we don't worship those. And then they wind up saying, Paul has, is promoting strange gods. And it's like, Zeus doesn't need a neighbor. Um, and then the riot in Ephesus takes place because Artemis is being dethroned. All right, verse 32. The assembly's in confusion. Some are shouting one thing, others are shouting another. Most of the people didn't even know why they were there. Uh, d- boy, does that sound familiar? People shouting at each other, not even knowing exactly why we're shouting, but we're shouting. Happened at the very beginning of the people of God becoming the church family. And uh, a good old city clerk walks in and just brings some reality. He's like, all right, calm down, everybody. The city clerk calms everybody down and just talks about how great uh, Ephesus and Artemis is and says, you know, these people haven't walked in and desecrated the temple. They haven't blasphemed. They're just kind of (laughs) ghosting. And then says, uh, <clears throat> we're in danger of being charged with rioting because of what's happening. Like, Rome could really come down if they had a riot in their city and just dismiss the whole assembly. Jesus' culture, just, just isn't it amazing? And we're going to get back to the fact that, that the world doesn't always know what to do with you. Uh, Jesus' culture works in any culture. It's number four. For those of you not taking notes. <laughs> For those of you taking notes, it's, it's still number four. Jesus' culture works in any culture. So, oh, all right, if, if it's going to cause that much commotion to stop going to Artemis' temple, whew, why, in, why in the world would anybody become a Christian? Why in the world would anybody do that? Well, what happens is this. Things are going down like, well, men wind up being held accountable alongside women for sexual integrity. That wasn't the case. It was like, like, Women couldn't step out of bounds, but men could step out of bounds. They're, they're shaping guys up to be great dads and great husbands. And people would look at them and go, oh, there's something to that. They were, women had status in these communities much higher than the status in other places. But when they got together for their worship experiences, slaves and masters, and over half of the people were enslaved, owned by other people, they would sit at the same table, share the same space, this is wigging people out. Like the social status is getting really different. Um, they took care of orphans and widows. They took care of every other people's poor people. The world had never seen anything like it before. They found so much social currency. And I, I just want to ask this. Ask this right now. Um, so who, who has shaped you? How has God shaped you? Let me, let me start with that. How, what has God shaped in your life in the last month, in the last year? Who's been helpful in that process? I'm going to pull these two items out here. 
All right. We'll do a quiz. So, I think it's been three times we've gone to paint a pot on Terry's birthday or at Thanksgiving time. One of these Terry made, one of these I made. Which one do you think made who? You know, which one do you think? So this is the one Terry made. Did you get that right? This is the one I made. All right. One of them is done with more artistry and one's just better. You know, that, that. I had so much fun making this. And you can see it's not that great, but I loved it. Um, this is well made and loved. Okay, we, we don't even really know what we're doing. I want to tell you something. God is good at this. God, if, if, if you allow yourself to be like clay in the hand of the master potter, God is masterful at this. To mold you, create beauty, create order, create purpose. God is so good when you're on the wheel. Instead of getting ground into the world's molds and system, good old Demetrius, fear-mongering, making sure that he gets his money if people are afraid. Oh my goodness, friends. The world, the, the world is not much different in that day than it is in our day. There was a letter that Paul wrote years later to the church in Ephesus. It's called Ephesians. What do you know? Interesting, there, there's, there's seven letters. That's a good number. There's seven letters in the New Testament. Sorry, not seven letters, but seven churches that get letters. Some get a couple letters. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks a word to the apostle John, and there's seven letters from Jesus to those churches. Ephesus is one of those churches as well. This place where this riot takes place, it had staying power. And, and here's, some of the, here's some of the key takeaways that was spoken to the people who were the people in the church of Ephesus. It's like once you were, but now you are. Once you were all about sex, once you were all about money, uh, once you were all about language that was very abusive to other people. But now instead of lying, you tell the truth. Instead of being vulgar, you encourage and build people up. Instead of being a bunch of stealing thieves, you know what? You're the generous people. You're, you're amazing. Final point. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And we've been declaring that. Jesus, can, can you just say that out loud? Can we say it together? Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. It may sound like antiquated language, but I believe it's an ancient modern reality that we need to embrace and step into. King Jesus, that he's Lord. Um, because they would declare that Caesar is king or whatever other God is king. And you know what? There are still the idols of this world that are so active. The world doesn't always know what to do with you, friends, when you're in the world, but not of the world. The world does not always know what to do with you, friends, when you, when you don't throw stones in judgment at other people, but you also don't celebrate the junk that their li lives wind up in. They don't know what to do with you. But Jesus is your king, and Jesus is your Lord. I invite you to stand at this time, and, 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 and we're just going to ruminate on that for a moment. And if you can, I, I want to tell two stories, two stories out of the book of Acts. 
One happens in Acts chapter 14, and maybe some of you resonate with this. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas go into a community, and they heal someone who's been lame for a long, long time. Some of you are anxious and ready to experience God's healing, whether it's in your body, whether it's in, whether it's in your attitude, whether it's in a relationship. And that healing in that individual's life was so profound that you know what? The folks in that community began to declare, they began to worship Paul and Barnabas. This one's Zeus and that one's Hermes. Some of you have brought the goodness of God into your homes, into your workplaces, in your spaces, and, and, and people are really celebrating you. In fact, they might even be over-celebrating you. <laughs> and, and you might just have to say, oh, it's the goodness of God. The over-celebration was so averse to Paul and Barnabas that they rent their garments. The world doesn't always know what to do. The, the, when you begin to bear the image of God in your places, oftentimes it is celebrated. And they don't even recognize that it's God, and you have to redirect them that it is. In Acts chapter 16, there's a servant girl that's afflicted by an evil spirit. And she'll kind of taunt people, give some future predictions, and people make bank off her because she'll cease to do the, her mumbo-jumbo to folks if people give the, the owners money. And Paul says that that dear child needs to be released. And they were so upset that that's how Paul and Silas found themselves in a Philippian jail. Some of you feel persecuted right now because you've been simply helping people be released from captivity and bondage. But you're being persecuted because of it. The world doesn't know what to do with you. Sometimes we're over-celebrated and sometimes we're persecuted. But that jailed experience that Paul experienced and that you might be experiencing was a gateway for the church to be birthed in one of the favorite places. The Philippian church is awesome. And so it could be the breakthrough that's about to happen while you go through some kind of persecution for this season. And for some of us today, today's the day that, that we all, or maybe some for the first time, did to declare that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Would you pray? Let's do this together. Lord God, you are good. And we come before you in a world that wants to put the squeeze on, that wants to be idolatrous. And Lord, may we appropriately get on the potter's wheel and ghost that which is just a created thing. May we own the images of God that you have given us, the family of God around us. Lord, for those who are being celebrated or maybe even over-celebrated, we pray that we're able to appropriately redirect that praise to you. And Lord, for those of us who are being persecuted, be with them and release them from that. May they experience the breakthrough in their atmospheres, in their workplaces, and in their settings that will give you glory. Lord, for those today that this, the message that Jesus Christ has defeated death that the Son of God loves them, has made them. Lord, allow those that you're calling to become part of your family, to be your children. Lord, forgive us. We want to follow you. Forgive me. I want to follow you, Lord. As you hear that and as you fill our minds and hearts and spirit and put us on the wheel that you shape our lives, we anticipate great things in your we declare this, God, because you are good and awesome. And all God's people, we would say,
amen. Would you say it loud? Amen.